This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is an energy sport podcast covering the British and Irish Lions Tour of South Africa 2021. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lions Tour podcast on energy sport. It wasn't the best game for the Lions as they went down 27-9 against South Africa in the second test in what could be described as a fairly controversial match but the first whistle hadn't even gone before the controversy started as we had a very strange Trump-like video from the South Africa head coach and water boy Razi Erasmus. Yeah, before the second test even kicked off, like you said, we had a very sort of controversial video, hour-long video monologue of the director of South African rugby, Rassi Erasmus. And uh, in the video, he sort of talked a lot about the refereeing decisions and how they were wrong. And from that, uh, he will face a misconduct hearing, hearing after the video, where Rugby said the extensive and direct nature of Erasmus's hour-long monologue is a potential breach of a code of conduct. Uh, they also, where Rugby also said in a statement, it called officials the backbone of a sport. Without them, there is no game. It is said. So that's what World Rugby's view, and it looks like they are going to face uh, Razo Erasmus is going to have a bit of a backlash for this. Mm. What were the main things he picked up on in the video? Uh, well, it was just an analysis of the sort of refereeing decisions that happened in the first half, which led to the British and Irish, British and Irish Lions winning the first test. Obviously, we talked about the decisions in the first test. There was a few, good few controversial ones. And uh, Rassi Erasmus um, went through every single little detail. But what he missed out was the details that the referees did get correct. And mainly focused on the ones that he claimed that World Rugby, the referees, got wrong at the time. Mm, certainly, it seemed an interesting move to... It was almost a Trump-esque video of Stop the Steal, wasn't it? Look, you, you complaining. Look, you know, referees are human. They get things wrong all the time. This happens in every single sport. It's just a little bit out of character why a sort of director rugby of all people to put up an hour-long video of an analysis of a referee... It sort of takes out of the sport. I think this is sort of almost sort of strategy by Rassi Erasmus to either one, bring off the media pressure of his players who's played so badly in the first test, or two, he's generally concerned about the refereeing sort of standards that are happening. Um, it's either or, but it's very unconventional. The officials do seem to have come under a bit of a spotlight on this tour in particular, more than any other one that I can really think of. I think it all sort of started when the TMO was 
for all three games was announced, and it was announced that he was a South African. Yeah, I. Uh, it's. I, I mean, for years I've been watching rugby, and I've never had decisions like this. I mean, of all the times you could have, you know, friendly matches, Alton tests, you know, the games that are used for experience, etc. I've never seen a referee TMO being picked for a side that is actually playing. And to do that in a British Irish Lions tour, it just adds more drama to an already just over-the-top sort of rugby tour. It, it's very, you know, it's a controversial decision. But we did eventually get some rugby. The shouting stopped for the first two minutes of what turned out to be a first half that lasted about 60 minutes until there was scraps and controversies and all sorts happening all over the pitch. It was a never-ending first half. Like I I didn't think it was ever going to end. I believe it was around an hour it took to get through. I, I remember pointing out to my brother at one point we were... It was kicked kicked off at five o'clock, and I think around half past five we were like fifteen minutes into the game. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the first half went on and on and on and on. And uh, if you had a, a bus or a train to catch uh, after that game, I think you may have well missed it because uh, the first half went on for a very long time. See, um, one of the tricks is you put food in the oven to be ready for half time, but it was ready by about the th- the thirteenth minute. <laughs> so inconsiderate. See, it's uh, if you, if anyone bought a Sky Sports Day Pass or whatever, so that they could watch. <laughs> it may the have match. expired. I mean, they got they got they got their money's worth. To be fair. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the things that did happen in the first half. There was a lot of scrappages and there was a lot of controversies. So where where should we start on them? <laughs> Uh, let's just start off with uh, the first, the first sort of controversy, which was that Duhan van der Merwe sort of tip tackle, which uh, wasn't really looked at, but then a few minutes later, he was actually sent to the sin bin. That t- that the the tip tackle was just spectacular. The man, he just he was good at the man played the ball, and Duhan looked at him and just went, "Yes, you're going down." <laughs> It and was reminiscent of a, them. a spine buster from wrestling. I felt like the rock had just entered the fray just to <laughs> still lay the smackdown. Yeah, I mean, looking at that tackle, I think Duhan is quite uh, lucky not have been sent to the sim bin. Peter Steph Dutoy, he, uh, you know, lifted his legs above the horizontal. But uh, I think maybe something that saved Duhan is that he didn't drop him to the ground. No, he was very caring and considerate and just made sure to drive him and drive him straight. I've just found it in slow motion. He puts him on his arse. Yeah, well, yeah. It doesn't land on his back or his head. He just drives him arse first into the ground. Oh, yes. I think that's something that saves. uh, (laughs) That's what saves him. He sat him down nicely on the ground. Yeah, and then, uh, well, a few, I think maybe. Not even five minutes later, he was sent to the sin bin. He was for what was a fairly cynical, a fairly cynical tripping up, lashing out with the feet, whatever it was. It, it was just so it. silly. 
uh, I, I don't understand why players do stuff like that with the TMO. You're never going to get away with it. And it's it was so blatant as well when you watch it back. At the time, I didn't even notice. But when you see it back in the TMO, you just think, you know, oh, is he maybe going to get away with it? And then you see the trip and you just think, there's just no chances of getting away with that one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, it's exactly what Struan said. It was a silly, silly, just... You sort of look at it and I just, I, when it happened, I just rolled my eyes and I went, he's off. But uh, the referee and the TMO, when we were making their decision, they did, you know, contemplate actually sending him off for a red card. Uh, it did look clumsy. Like, on first glance, it kind of looks more like a kick than a yeah. kick into a pile of bodies, at least in the first angle. But I think mm. other angles saved him. Yeah, exactly. It's like our point back in the our talk in the first test, sort of, if you compare the angles, what does it actually look like? But from the first sort of view, it did look like a kick rather than a trip. And uh, I think the TMO saved him from actually not getting a red card. Mm. TMO was good at saving people from getting a red card, just... Slightly more advantageously, if you were a South African, for example, should Colby have seen red? Oh, Struan. Struan has big opinions about this. I think it has to be. I think I know. I know he's got eyes on the ball, and he's not meaning to take out the man. But at the same time, it's just so dangerous when you when you look at it back. You know, when you first see it in normal in normal time rather than the slow down version, it's so scary the way Conor Murray lands because. I was saying before before we went live, the fact is when you're in the air and you get your feet taken away from you, your first instinct is, you know, you get your hands down, you try and plant yourself. But he's caught the ball in the air as well. He's managed to get one hand down. We just think about how dangerous that is. I know, obviously, it's a contact sport and these things happen, but it's, it's just so dangerous. Like, it's difficult to watch. I know possibly there's some bias from our point of view from the lines, but at the same time, I'm just. I was just really surprised it was Sinbad. We were we were speaking in the group chat at the time as well, saying how at first all oh, maybe it was okay. He had you know he didn't he didn't mean anything, but then again it's it's just too, it's just reckless. I think it's the best way to describe it. He, do, he lands on yeah he had the hand down, but he does land on its face as well. Yeah, it's it's when you get taken out like uh, just from a point of view, even when it, even like you get slide tackled or something, or you you trip and you even if you're standing, you know it can be quite nerve wracking suddenly falling down like that but being in the air and not having control over your landing it's it's just so dangerous yeah it's really dangerous i mean looking over that tackle in real time when i first saw it i thought it was a red card and then looking back at it again it did look a little bit yellow you know looking over the video again conor murray up in the air uh colby he had his eyes on the ball but that doesn't mean that he didn't mean to sort of collide with Conor Murray. You know, there's a few questions that you ask if it's either a yellow or a red for sort of these situations. And one of them is, is Cheslin Colby in a position where he can get that ball? No, he's not. He's, my... he's, he's absolutely not. Now, he's not even jumping for it. He's not even, exactly, you know. Was he able to get that ball? No. Was did his have his eyes on the ball? Yes. But I I think that should have been a red card. And Nigel Owens also said that. But I mean, um, you know, looking at the game as well, such a, so much was on that second test. Uh, it was uh, 
if a referees did give him a red so earlier on, would it have just killed the game? But um, oh, you could argue that that surely doesn't matter. You you the could. Point that you have to make the decision. That doesn't matter. Yeah, you absolutely could. But uh, on to more con- controversy, Alistair. Stuart Hogg has been in the media a little bit recently. For allegedly biting Willie Daru, uh, Willie Larue rather, which he vehemently denies. I think there was a statement went out on Sunday after the match yeah. saying that this is Stuart Hogg essentially said this is not how I play at all and I always play to the spirit of the game and I did not bite him. He said in a statement, I would never bite an opponent and I am annoyed and upset by this unsubstantiated accusation. Now this sort of situation come comes from a sort of brawl that was created by the Cheslin Colby and Connor Murray incident. Um from the footage that we see, Stuart Hogg's sort of face is very close to Willie Roo's sort of shoulder arm area. Um but it's very hard to see if he actually did bite him. Mm. And uh, for the record, I don't think he did. It doesn't look like a bite. Uh, well, I, th- I think you and Stuart would know all about biting from the football days. The <laughs> amount of biting that happens in football. That just makes it sound like me and Stuart play football together and just go at each other with teeth. Oh, I don't mean that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you both watch football. Like, you, know, you, you, know about, you, you know about that from the football days. Stuart reveals the teeth mark scars <laughs> up his arm. I've got this bite mark right in my trap. Uh... <laughs> Well, this one was from 2005. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a difficult... I don't think he did bite him, to be fair. I was I was really disappointed because I didn't see anything of it at the time. Obviously, we're going to talk about more incidents from the game because there was a lot of controversy in this game, but I, I, did, I wasn't even aware of this until it came out after the game and I was just really disappointed at first because he's my favourite player and you just don't want that kind of thing to happen, but I, I don't think it was a bite, to be, to be perfectly honest. No, it didn't. It certainly didn't look like it. What else? What have we not covered yet? Then, uh, should Faf de Klerk have been sinbinned for that very high no arms tackle, which would normally merit you a yellow card, unless unless the TMO is South African? No, I would never say that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a really see what happened in, in the sort of what happened after the Faf de Klerk sort of high challenge that happened was that. Robbie Henshaw's try got disallowed. The Lions was already asking for a TMO. There was also another high challenge from South Africa, which the referee had already looked at, which when they then asked for the referee to look at Fafted Clerk high challenge, uh, I think the referee at that point had had enough, looked at it once and sort of played game on. But, uh, I mean, looking at it, uh, the Faf de Klerk sort of high challenge. Um, it was no arms tackle. His shoulder hit Conor Murray's sort of high in the chest, not in the neck or the head, but definitely high in the chest, which, you know, in most situations would, would warrant a yellow card. Mm. You were saying earlier, just before we started recording, that there was a lot going on in that particular incident before and after. I think that's kind of reminiscent of one of the problems we've seen with both VAR, but less frequent VAR in football, and sort of less frequently 
in rugby and with TMO is that if something happens, they don't tend to look at some things that have happened after that. Thinking because mm-hmm. it's like that, that in rugby, I think the one I can liken it to in football strewn would be the Jordan Pickford tackle on Virgil van Dyke last season. Yeah, it's those incidents that kind of occur before the big incident are sort of just overlooked and forgotten about. And mm. a lot of the time, the game has already been stopped for three, four, five minutes potentially to to come to a conclusion on whatever their initial decision is. And then there may be a further discussion needed for the other incident. And I think a lot of the time, they just kind of brush it off. I'm, I'm, I do and don't understand it, to be perfectly honest, because it can be annoying. You know, as we spoke before, the first half dragged and dragged and dragged. You don't want so many stoppages in a game. It can completely ruin the flow. But at the same time, I think I'd describe it as like a body check is what Faf de Klerk did almost. A high tackle. And you shouldn't be allowed to get away with something like that. And in a way, he's he's benefited from the line scoring a try, which then was disallowed. And he's gotten, he's gotten off completely free, really. It's, he must have been counting his lucky stars because so fortunate at that time. Mm, and let's talk about that try that was disallowed, Robbie Henshaw. From the footage I've seen of it, I would say it looks like it was grounded. So why was it disallowed? Uh, the sort of quick answer was that there was no clear footage of him actually grounding it. Did he have downward pressure? He absolutely did. But then what makes the referee and sort of the assistance of the TMO look at it is that he did lose sort of um, possession of the ball. He sort of knocked it on after he put it down, which sort of makes them think, oh, did he ground it after all or did he just lose control of it? Um, I don't think there's any sort of clear footage of him grounding it. He does have downward pressure. It is a bit hard to see. And that's what their decision was at the time. Uh, it's a shame that it wasn't allowed because it kind of killed off the game really after that. South Africa went on a little bit of a rampage in the second half scoring two spectacular tries. Yeah, they did. I mean, the first South African try was just pure genius. Uh, Stuart Hogg and Anthony Watson were out of their position on the wing and Andre Pollard did a fantastic chip kick to Mapimpi on the wing and he went right over. It was a fantastic, fantastic try. Um, Nothing to contest. I think it was just fantastic. Uh, You know, throughout the whole game with so much controversy and so much stopping and starting, uh, I think it sort of kicked the game off in the second half. The second was absolutely lovely. Sorry. Mm. I was going to say, the second try as well was also a spectacular try, but they were both for just completely different reasons that they were both excellent tries. Yeah. The second try seemed to almost come out of nothing. Yeah, I completely completely agree with you. Uh, Yet again, uh, the British and Irish Lions defence were out of position. Uh, Faf de Klerk saw there was nobody at home of a full-back position. Sherhog was uh, at the bottom of a rock from a previous tackle. No one was covering it. Faf de Klerk saw, uh, saw the space. Grubber kicked it and uh, Lacanya Am went over and uh, put the ball down. Mm. Now, the Lions did suffer defensively 
a lot in that game. Is that perhaps the motivation behind a large number of changes to the starting 15 for the third test? Uh, I, and the bench there's a large number of changes mm, to. I think it's a mixture of attack and defence. You know, if you look at attack, the line sort of back three, the full back 14 and 11, throughout the whole of the game, only made 37 metres. Mm. Which is... Not what you want. <laughs> I mean, Stuart Hogg may normally, for a Scotland game, will at least make 70 or 80 metres. And for three of them to only make 37 metres, that is bad for your attack. You know, compare that to South Africa, sort of 15, 14, 11. They made 48 metres. It may only be 11 metres more, but it's still a bit more. And, you know, you talk about how the substitute bench, they have made quite a lot of changes, you know. The Lions bench last game made no impact. Five substitutes came on in the 55th minute mark. They were 11-9 down at that point. And you'd think, you know, impact players coming on, maybe they turn around the game, even get a try. No. The game ended 27-9. And that's how much the British and Irish Lions in the second half failed to not only attack but and also defend. Mm. Some of the the standout, well, the standout change I would say for the starting fifteen is Stuart Hogg has been dropped. He was certainly seen to be nailed on uh, since, the, since the start of the tour, almost. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Again, Stuart Hogg. Um, he wasn't good in the air. He didn't make much of a threat in attack. Um, due, due to either one South African defence or a lot of pundits on Twitter have been saying it's not really his style of play and Warren Gatland has taken in Liam Williams for the Stuart Hall position at 15 mm. What are some of the other changes that, we, that we're seeing that we're seeing happening for this Saturday's deciding test? Well, Josh Adams has replaced Anthony Watson. Uh, we've seen Josh Adams score, how many score, tries he scored? Eight, nine, ten tries in this tour. He's a high-scored trier. So that's really good to see. He's getting a test start instead of Watson, who almost unheard of in the first and second test, to be blunt. Um, Robbie Henshaw moves to 13. But Aki... Bundy Aki is in for Chris Harris. Now, Chris Harris had a good second uh, a second test. He got a start. Uh, unfortunately, attacking-wise, uh, not almost unheard of, almost like watching, which is a real shame, but he did defensively put up a good fight. Aki, I think, offers a little bit more different. I think he can attack, and his offload game can sort of unleash the 13, 14, 15, and 11 try switch things up against South Africa but obviously he's against Damien Dialende who has been tipped as one of the best inside centres so Aki will have to have a really good game and then Connor Murray and uh, Ali Price are switched again Ali Price will start with Connor Murray not really having a good game himself you know uh, I think for Connor Murray he was far too conservative with his play no flair 
apart from the disallowed Robbie Henshaw try, which he had a fantastic kick. Uh, I think Warren Gatlin will bring him on in the last sort of 20 minutes to have a little bit of composure like we did in the first test. But I think Ali Price has to play at nine, of which he is, because he really needs to speed up the game, in which we didn't see uh, in the second test. And then, sorry, this goes on for quite a while. <laughs> uh, Wynn Jones is swapped for Michael Vinopola. I was quite surprised at that. Ken Owens in for Luke Cowan-Dickey. Um, I think Warren Gatlin's going for maybe more of a Welsh uh, squad. There's quite a lot of Welsh instead of, sort of English, Irish and Scottish. But these are kind of guys who haven't had a chance. But like Warren Gatlin said at the end of the second, we have lots of options. And uh, he certainly is doing that with the addition of Sam Simmons is on the bench. You know, he's been fantastic for Exeter. He's was overlooked for Eddie Jones. So it's fantastic. See, and then, of course, at the 22, we have Finn Russell. That is going to be an exciting one, hopefully one that will help the Lions inject a little bit of creativity into their performance when he comes on inevitably in the 75th minute when they're 24 nailed down. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope it's not like that. I'm not pessimistic at all. Um, yeah, let's hope. Uh, but, uh, I mean, if I think that's something that the British and Irish Lions needed in the second test was for somebody, a little bit of a maverick, to come on and try to switch things up. Owen Farrell has been dropped he made little or no difference in the second test when he was brought on. I and mean, we've talked about that quite a bit, but we didn't think fit. Uh, Owen Farrell was much of an impact player to come off the bench. So it's good to see Finn Russell, uh, you know, he's been injured for quite a wee bit during this tour. So it's really good to see him back. Um, just to conclude, uh, South Africa have two huge changes for them. They don't have Peter Steff to toy it instead they have Franco Mostert, which is quite a big change. And then, of course, South Africa are without Faf de Clark. That's going to be a big loss for them. He's been very impressive this, uh, this tour for them. Yeah, Struan, I've uh, stolen the limelight over the teams. Talk about Faf de Clark. I think, you, I think you summed that up perfectly, to be honest. Um... Faf de Klerk will be a massive loss for South Africa. He's, he's my favourite South African player, but in a way, possibly shouldn't have been playing anyway had he received a, a red card in the last game that potentially could have been a red card. But um, Very good point to make. I think, I think it will be a massive loss, and I think almost from a Lions point of view, you've got to take advantage of that. You know, It's, it's a horrible thing to say, and you, you don't like to wish injury upon any player, but when a, a key player like Faf de Klerk is missing, you have to take advantage of that. Yeah, I I feel like in the first half, Ali Price and Faf de Klerk had a real battle at scrum half. And without Faf de Klerk, I think South Africa really have lost a big advantage. Of course, instead of Faf de Klerk, Kobe Greenach is drafted in. He's quite an experienced player and it'll be uh, interesting to see how it plays out in the third test. Mm. And so how do we see that third test playing out for the last time? Predictions, please. Last time we had... Stephen, you predicted that the Lions would take it 24-19. And Struan, you thought South Africa would take it 24-19 the last time. <laughs> so, so I was closer. <laughs> you were the closest. 
You were indeed the closest, so for the last time, who can get the closest? <laughs> or who can put it oh. spot on? Uh, have we had it? I don't think we've had a spot on. No, we prediction haven't had a this. Spot we haven't. On. We haven't had a single spot on prediction for the whole tour. But I've had a you few. Know, the last game would be the perfect time to get one. I've had a, a few, few individuals like the first testers of Africa. Uh, I got like I think I think I got the Lions or British now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got. But um, oh, this is really hard. We've talked about so much. Uh, I think. The second half of British National Lions just doesn't do them sort of the justice of how well they did play in the first test. I think it's going to be so tight. I think the Lions will win 21-18. Ooh. That's a bold call. I think without Faf de Klerk, a bold call. South Africa really loses not just a great player, but just someone so unique mm. and so strong. So, I think I'm going to go with another South Africa victory in the form of 21-15. to 15. I, think, I think they might even... Even without Faf de Klerk, I think they're up for it mm. now. I, I used the analogy of all the lines really did after the first test was make them angry. And now mm. South Africa are coming for the 2-1 overall. Uh, I think, you know, the Lions will be hurting from that second test. If they can sort of transfer that sort of disappointment of not winning it last weekend, they can really possibly make a comeback. We saw that. Uh, in the last tour against the All Blacks, they had a horrific first game, but then they ended up winning the second test. Um, but Saturday, it's all to play for. If the Lions win, then they'll be the first team, British and Irish Lions team, to go to South Africa and win since 1997. If not, that 1997 will stay there for another 12 years. Oof. Oof. Another 12 years. That's a long time to wait. You don't have to wait too long till the next test. Saturday, 5pm. We'll most certainly be watching. We hope you are too. Thank you very much for listening to us and listening to us over the course of the last eight episodes as well. We will have one more podcast for you coming up at some point next week after the last test where we will wrap up the entire the, the last test and, and the entire tour itself and we will also have another edition of the alley prices right to see us out so thank you very much for listening to us please do enjoy the match and we'll see you later goodbye bye bye bye